find the baller. My life is more than money and money. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from playing sports to exotic whips. Ain't gotta tell me, dog. I know I'm the shit behind the baller. My life is more than money and journey. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from music exec to this podcast. Now I finally feel at home at last. Behind the baller. Yo, what's good? You are listening to a brand new episode of Behind the Baller. This is episode 85. I am your host, Ben Baller, not Ben Humble. Some call me the Korean John Cusack. Others call me the Korean Liam Neeson. But most of you know me as the Asian Robert McCall. Yo, what up, everybody? Um, we got a banging ass show today. On today's show, we got Quandre Diggs of my Seattle Seahawks. Um, we're going to discuss racist punk police in Minnesota. You know, the situation with fucking George Floyd is terrible. The hobby has gone totally insane. And yes, I am giving away a $2,500 signed none of none Mike Trout card to a lucky podcast listener later on in this show stores in la and all over cali are opening up finally jeffrey epstein filthy rich doc is lit and more on a brand new behind the baller podcast let's fucking go people before we begin i need to send my condolences to the family of george floyd fucking terrible what's going on right now in the situation and it's 2020 um racism is getting fucking just crazy you know you see this bitch ass cop you see this punk ass fucking bitch ass hoe ass clown pussy punk bitch ass asian cop who turned his back while this punk-ass white boy cop had his fucking foot, knee, digging into this dude's fucking neck. Like, man, bro, like, I always get anxiety when I think about that shit. And people are like, oh, don't break along. I'm like, man, he allegedly wrote a bad check, and that's the kind of shit, like, they killed this motherfucker over that? Like, really? It's senseless violence by the pigs? And it's like, you see they're rioting for the last couple days in Minnesota, and they're fucking shit up. Like they fucked up Target, they fucked up Wendy's and they're just out there breaking police cars and shit. And people are like, you know, oh man, this is fucked up. It's going to overshadow what's really happening and George Floyd's death. And it's like, no, man. I mean, yeah, you know, it's it's not right. It's not going to solve anything. But at the same time, like none of that shit would have happened if they didn't kill him, you know? And then it trickles down here to the stupid ass, dumbass hipsters and fucking weirdos. You got fucking traffic in fucking LA today. They fucking shut down the 101 freeway. And they're riding in LA and they're protesting. And it's these fucking, nobody's like, it's like barely any black people protesting. It's just, it's fucked up. They're on the freeway and this fucking jackass, he's hanging on a cop car and then he falls off the cop car. He's on actually a CHP, a highway patrol car. He's hanging on the car, falls off. Then he falls off the car. And so when he falls off the car, they blame the police. Look, man, this guy was hanging on a cop car, like trying to fucking ghost ride it, right? You know what I'm saying? But like he was hanging on it. 
Car drove off, boom, sped off. He fell down. Then another cop car came, tried to get out of the way. They smashed his window and everything else. And then they're blaming the cops. Look, people, BTB Army, you know me well enough. I hate cops. I, I don't like the police, okay? I'm not here to defend the police, but that wasn't the cops' fault. That was that dumb motherfucking protester's fault. That shit was stupid as fuck. Dude was a fucking idiot. Back to George Floyd. These four cops got fired. I don't know, man, what's going to happen. That and then, and then the dude got fucking shot in Atlanta. Just This shit has just gone crazy, man. 2020 is really, we really got to put this year in rice. This shit is really fucking crazy, you know? I've tried to make the best out of it, and yeah, I'm having an okay year, you know? And, and what does that mean? Who, who knows, you know? It's fucked up for everyone else, so how good could it be for me? You know, you see people bummed out and fucked up and people losing jobs and things, and it's like, you know, what are we going to do? And at the same time, we got Donald Trump, like, still in office. Like, this is fucking crazy. It's literally, you can't make this shit up. I don't really got much to say about COVID, you know? We had, what, 100,000 deaths? Oh, not, not a big deal, right? No big fucking deal. Um, it's just a hundred thousand people dead, you know, in less than three months, you know, it's no big deal. Nothing has killed anybody, uh, that many people. And, you know, whether you fucking think the virus exists or not, just, you're just fucking stupid. Um, anyways, they're opening up, you know, the economy opening up. My store opens up tomorrow. Am I going to be there? Nope. You ain't gonna see my ass there. Um, all kinds of shops are opening up. I want to see, I mean, restaurants, I guess, are, and they're saying churches and shit. I don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm just going to keep on staying home, minding my fucking business, signing baseball cards, designing baseball cards, designing jewelry. You know, I got to go to my factory and obviously make jewelry. Um, I've been limiting myself to, you know, just a few hours, but I ain't going to lie to you. This baseball card shit has taken over my motherfucking life, you know, and um, look, the government is not opening up the fucking economy because it's finally safe outside. They're opening that shit up because the country needs to make money, okay? And speaking of motherfucking money, the baseball card game, aka the hobby, is just getting fucking crazy, okay? Welcome to the new Bitcoin, ladies and gentlemen. Before we go any further about the hobby, shout out to my boy Ivan aka watch the breaks. Let me tell you, shit has changed, okay? I don't give a fuck how deep you're in the hobby now. If you weren't collected in the 80s and 90s, then shut the fuck up. Because a lot of you motherfuckers weren't even born then, so shut the fuck up. No, I don't want to hear shit from you, okay? Yes, I may be new to this new fucking hobby, but look, man, I remember when motherfuckers were collecting Sid Bream and fucking Steve Saxon. Obviously, all the Dodgers don't get into this, all this shit. But when these motherfuckers were rookies, all right, doing these George Brett cards and fucking Doc Good and all this shit, I was there the first time around. Not on a remix, and it's a whole different ball game. Okay, back in the '90s, if you had a card that was even worth fucking twenty dollars over what you bought it for, that was a big fucking deal. Okay, I got idiots who think they know what's going on because they've been consistently in the hobby. They've stayed with it. The only problem is this is the issue. I came and brought an entire new demographic to the game. All right, I changed shit up, so it's not gonna make sense to a traditional hobby collector, okay? My Ichiro was 20 fucking dollars less than three months ago. That shit is hitting over $4,400 now, okay? How does that even make sense? It doesn't, okay? My Ichiro 
fucking artist proofs were going for 400, 440, somewhere around there. I bought one for 400. I bought one for 640. Artist proofs are 12,000 now. Okay. I signed an autograph for artist proof. I said this last week, sold it for 15 grand. I think I might have sold it too low. All right. My Ricky Henderson card just broke $200 this week. Okay. Even my fucking Dwight Gooden, which just dropped this past weekend, is going for $45, $50. Okay. I had trolls tell me yesterday in my last post, oh man, your cards went down, your markets, shut the fuck up. You stupid ass bitch. The fuck are you talking about? You don't know a fucking thing, dumb fuck. Sounds stupid as fuck. I got people making money like a motherfucker. And people made money. I got people who made money yesterday. My cousin sold a fucking Ichiro for fucking $4,300, okay, that he bought for 20 bucks. The fuck out of here, okay? They're like, oh, your trout dropped. It went down to 175 Oh, it did? Especially when you guys were saying there's a fucking huge print run and people are laughing. Like, literally when it dropped, like, two days, three days there, like, oh, my God, this dumb motherfucker, he made the fucking print run go to fucking 36000 This shit ain't going to be worth shit. You know, it's going to be fucking stayed fucking $25 or whatever. And then look what happened. The shit then jumped up fucking 700, 800%. And people are talking shit. You're so fucking stupid. Um, congrats to Keith Shore. While all you fucks hated on him, you called his Bob Gibson a disgrace. It was called the worst card in baseball card history. You can fucking Google that. That shit, that some, a fucking actual big page wrote that, okay? I always said I liked his cards, okay? The funny thing is, I wasn't a big fan of the Griffey, you know? But congrats, man. You now hold the record at 99,000. 99,000 fucking cards sold. Did I think that could never happen? Nope, not at all. I People been saying we're gonna break 100 and everything else. I wasn't tripping on it, you know? Like... I've been talking this shit up so crazy for me to even sell 20 a dock. This is Griffey. I think Griffey's going to be one of my strongest. It's going to be Jeter. I don't think, look, I'm going to be, I'm going to tell you right now. To me, Trout ain't going to be the best soul out of everybody. I don't think it is, no matter how many fucking fans he is. Just because I just know I have my demographic and what it is and what I brought to it, right? And my 2 million followers across Facebook, Instagram, and, and Twitter, and whatever. But now I currently hold the third highest, and I'm okay with that. Because we got 15 cards left to sell. And like I said, I always get the last laugh. I'm not tripping. My Griffey is last. Trust me, we got ammo. Okay? So let's talk about the issue at hand. Let's talk about my autographed cards that I'm dropping tomorrow at 12 p.m. Pacific time. That is 24 hours from right now. I will be releasing 10 Mike Trout, Ben Baller did the card cards autographed by me. And they'll be autographed with Ben Baller on them. I'm actually going to write Ben Baller in gold ink. Shout out to Crink NYC, gold ink markers. They will be marked 1 through 10. It means there'll be 110, 210, 310, 410, all that shit. Okay? And um, that is all I'm signing is that 10. There will be no other 10 Ben Baller signatures on any Mike Trouts, period. Okay? That is the most I am signing with my actual Ben Baller moniker to keep my main namesake valid, all right, and keep that shit hot. Ten cards, and that is it with the gold Ben Baller numbered on the back. I got the new BB seals. I couldn't get the hologram shits. They said six weeks. Fuck that. We ain't waiting no six weeks. Motherfuckers got to eat, get their shit going now, you know, get this economy popping, get this hobby card economy popping, and uh, 
you know, there's been haters like people saying, who the fuck would buy your autograph and this and that, whatever. And what the fuck, you, you sound stupid. You're saying you're selling autographs, you're not selling cards. Yes, dumb fuck. And we'll get down to the moment because I didn't buy 200 cards. I gave away cards. I didn't buy 200 cards to sell. I was supposed to be doing public appearances and these people would have the cards in hand. I would sign it and I would sell them there. Do you know? You guys don't get it. You're, you're hating on me because I got $3,500 for an autograph per autograph. Look, it is what it is, man. And the funny thing is my agent, he represents the biggest athletes in the world. The biggest, the largest athletes in the history of sports. And they're telling me straight up, you know what, Ben? It's fucking funny. You can get the starting five players in almost every team in NBA. And I would say that 95% of them couldn't even get that for autograph as consistently as you do. And that's great. Dope. Now, if they could, would they turn that down? Fuck no. They would do it regardless because it's good money. And you know what? The money comes from this. Some of you don't know the journey that it's been to get where I'm at today at 47 and a half years of age. Okay. I made a lot of wrong turns. All right. I took a lot of long cuts. Ain't no shortcuts. I took some shortcuts. The motherfucker wasn't shortcuts. You know, it was shit, man. No elevator rides. Took the stairs. No motherfucking cars. I was in the bus. I walked like a motherfucker. You know, I'm here now today, 100% not by accident. Okay. Not that it matters, but I've always shared the wealth. Okay, I want you to understand it. I've always shown love and given to the needy, okay? I can't save everyone, but I do more than my share, all right? Side note, I shipped out 79 Mike Trout cards this week to random fans on Twitter. I just fucking DM people, and then after that, I muted them because I don't want them to you know, hit me back for their boom, but I DM them. They sent back addresses, boom. I sent out fucking 79 Mike Trouts this week, just like, fuck it, here, here's $200, 250 bucks, whatever it is, sell it. I don't give a fuck yourself for 100 It's like me giving people cash apps. Cool, boom, here it is. Merry Christmas. Go have a fucking nice day, all right? And I did it just because, fuck it, why not? Why, why not? Why not? I had a great week, okay? Some guy on Twitter, he bought a Mike Trout for $25 on pre-sale on eBay, okay? They do these pre-sales, you know, buy them, whatever. And, you know, he bought the shit a couple weeks ago, boom. The sellers can't sell them, obviously, until they get it. And so all the Mike Trout's been shipping this whole week and a little bit of last weekend. And the eBay seller canceled his sale and refunded him his money saying that he has some fucking bogus excuse saying, oh, man, this fucking, this dog ate it or some shit, whatever. And, you know, right then and there, the card had hit over 250 bucks, so obviously, you know, you're thinking like, wait a second, 25 bucks selling this card. Fuck, I could sell that for, you know, eight times that. And so the dude tweeted about it. This guy, Mike, he, he was really bummed out and he tweeted about it. And I just happened to come across his tweet. And I said, man, fuck this shit. That's some fucked up bullshit. So you know, I decided to bless him with one. And while I'm testing my autograph on um, the Mike Trouts, I decided to sign the case. I didn't sign the actual card because, you know, I want to keep the authenticity. I want to keep shit gangster. I want to keep shit consistent with you guys who all purchased, you know, um, the Mike Trouts, the the 200 Mike Trouts and the fucking each heroes. We're going to get into that in a second. But fuck that shady ass eBay seller. That's some punk ass bitch shit. Be a man about your word. Honor your word. Okay. Uh, once again, shout out to Watch the Breaks one more time. Sorry, man. I'm showing him so much love. This dude is a, is a legit hobby dude. He knows my cousin, my blood cousin, Cece. They're friends. They work together. He sent my son a very nice Amazon gift card. Thank you so much, bro. I really do appreciate it. 
a lot of people wanted to thank me because, you know, people are saying that, you know, they couldn't pay their rent and now they're paying their rent. Some people are talking about they're buying a house now, they're buying cars, they're feeding their families, doing all these great things because they listened to my podcast, they bought you know, the baseball cards and bought my cards and made money. So I made an Amazon wish list for my kids and it was my son's birthday last week and I talked about it. I made this Amazon wish list, you know what I mean? Like I don't put like 30 items on there, whatever, boom. Fucking 19, 20 of the items were bought and you know what? I just want to say now for everyone who bought something, I appreciate you. Thank you very much. Every single one of you guys who contributed to it, I really do appreciate that, okay? So let's get into the card signing issues right now. The reason why I had to cancel my appearances, this is now me verbally saying this. It's different when you read it for any of those who even decided to read my fucking post, right? Some motherfuckers don't know how to read, you know? Too bad. It is what it is. I was supposed to do an appearance, an autograph signing later this year in New York City. Because of Dwight Gooden, right? Dwight Gooden had shown interest. He's been showing me love. I was like, fuck it. Why don't you come and do a meet with me in Greek Queens? And I'll do one in Manhattan. Boom, right? And then I was going to do one in Seattle. Of course, I mean, even though I, I know I frequent those cities, right? I own a house in Seattle. I'm a Seahawk fucking season ticket holder. Of course, those are the two worst hit cities in the USA with coronavirus. You know, and later on in the year, they're talking about that second wave. I, I don't know, you know, so I'm getting on a conference call with my manager, with my attorney and with the person that's setting this all up and everything. And, um, you know, the place I'm supposed to do this appearance at both card shops, they hold like a capacity of maybe 100 people. I don't know, maybe 125, but I, I think 100 people max. Okay, that's the maximum capacity. They told me they had over a thousand RSVPs for my appearance. Okay, one, look, man. I don't know about you guys, but if you want to wait in line, a thousand people want to meet me. You know how fucking silly that is? That's the most silliest shit I've ever heard in my life. You want to meet some old, fat, bald-headed, fucking, you know, angry Asian dude? That's just crazy, okay? So my manager gets on the call. He doesn't say shit the whole call, and he says, listen, man, I got to advise you to not do this. In fact, I'm going to counsel this for you. He doesn't even talk like that ever, Okay. But he broke down brass facts, okay? Even if I provide a thousand masks, a thousand N95 masks, and we make people sign waivers, all it takes is one jackass to not wear his mask and one person to just get sick. All it takes, just all it takes is one person to get sick or one person to catch the virus there, then bring it home to a family member, and then guess what? It's a fucking million dollar lawsuit and I've done, I'm already being sued right now. You know what I mean? Like I'm still going through lawsuits and fuck that. I'm not doing that shit. So that's why the shit's canceled. And that's why I'm having people send me cards. And that's why it was a shit show. And that's why I spent, me and my assistant spent fucking nine hours fucking reading emails and people are sitting there trying to chit chat. I'm like, look, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be rude, but let's get to the business. Like we can chit chat another time. Like I want to be fucking efficient. I want to get this shit popping. So I originally had said, I'm going to sign 300 each heroes, 300 Frank Thomases and 300 Trouts. And I was going to do 300 of every player. You know what? One that got crazy Two, it just was too much to deal with. And then three, 6,000 people were trying to buy 300 Mike Trouts, okay? So I ended up selling 300 Mike Trouts immediately. I was giving out the PayPal addresses, boom. I was copying, pasting, copy, paste, copy, paste, generic emails, boom. Next thing you know, fucking like 311 people fucking sent money for Trouts. 
and I couldn't fucking keep up with the shit. It started getting crazy. I did the math, and I was like, you know what? 300 cards signed, right? And then 35,000 print run, okay? What's the math on that? And some people were sitting there talking shit, but I'm talking about like, what's the real statistic? And it's like, all right, if we really break it down, that's less than 1% still. But you know, to me, I was like, let me, first of all, I don't want to sign 900 cards in like the next two weeks. I'll fucking be depressed and I'll be mad. And then every few weeks, sign 300, now nah, I'm good. That shit, I was driving, I sold, I signed 40 cards two nights ago. It drove me mad. It literally drove me insane. I was like, nah, fuck this shit. So I decided to refund five, well, originally I refunded 300 people their money. 100 each hero, 100 fucking, um, uh, Frank Thomas and like 111 uh, Trouts, okay? And then I said, you know what? Frank Thomas and the Ichiro's were both short print runs. So fuck that. I'm just gonna make those one of a hundreds. So let me get in. Let me like break the rest of this down. Okay, so yeah, I'm doing 10 autograph cards, which I'm providing the cards, okay? And signing them with my name, Ben Baller, in gold, and I'm numbering the back, and this will go on for each player until we hit all 20, Okay. My next player is Cal Ripken. That will be card number six for me. All right? You understand? You're going to get the fucking BB seal. You're going to get the autograph on the card. It is going to be fucking legit. When I finally... Well, that, well, the thing is, I'm going to be releasing those on Fridays. Once I get the cards in hand, the next following Friday, I'm going to release the card. Boom. Just to give you an idea, my Mike Trout is going for $2,500 tomorrow. There's going to be 10 I already know there's seven or eight people that want them, whatever it may be. I'm going to put them on my IG page, be like, boom, who wants this? Doom, and there it is, and that's it. So they're going to be sold there. I was going to do eBay, but fuck that. Why give them an the extra 10%? Fuck them. I don't want to set up the fucking website pages and shit. Man, look, I own Ben Ball. I did the chain. Uh, ben Ball did the card, uh, trademarks and everything. I know I could go sue the website owners, where the fuck it may be, but both those domain names are gone. Benball.com, I used to own it a long time ago. They want 10 bands for it. Even BBDTC is like 3,000. I'm like, man, fuck this and fuck Shopify. I have four fucking major websites. I'm not doing another. It's not that deep. My assistant, Sean, is dope. We're going to get this cracking. But yeah, we're doing fucking 10 of each, right, of the autograph with Ben Baller and gold, okay? Now, for the more affordable autographs, when I say affordable, they will range from 100 to 600 And the only $600 cards are Jeter and Griffey, all right? I will be doing a 1 and 200 autograph in red or silver or blue ink, and those will say BBDTC. They'll be my tag. You know, my little graffiti tag, it'll say BBDTC, which stands for Ben Baller Did the Card, Okay. That is my acronym, all right? And those will also be numbered on the back 1 to 200. So there's no fuckery. There's no scamming. Some dumbass said that they saw that someone was saying that I was a scammer on, on, on Facebook, on like the, the Top Project 2020 Facebook. Like, well, who the fuck could ever, not one person could ever say, oh, Ben scammed me. Never in fucking life could anyone ever say that about me, all right? As I've said before, the best part of Project 2020 is seeing others make money, seeing my father-in-law come up, my fucking friends, my relatives, all of them coming up, seeing followers making money, you know, and they use it for good shit, okay? But let me tell you something. 
You want to use it for fucking Louis bags and Gucci and luxury items? If you, Do what the fuck you want. That's your money. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. If you fuck up and spend all that shit and got nothing else left, that's on you. Especially if you're a grown-ass adult. That's on you. All right? But check it out. Memories are priceless. Okay? Enjoy your life. I always tell people, I'm not here for a long time. Just a good time. Okay? With that said, we got a very special guest about to get on the show. So you know what that means. Yo, Miles, hit me off with that Lakey Inspired. Yeah. And we'll be right back. What up, y'all? You are listening to an exclusive 12-fan episode of Behind the Baller. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Quandre Diggs, the starting safety for my beloved Seattle Seahawks. What's good, bro? Not much, bro. Uh, just chilling <laughs> back in Texas with the fam. Yeah? Is, is that where you've been spending the quarantine? Yeah, man. I live in Austin in the off-season and stuff, so uh went to school out here. So she, me and my girlfriend and daughter, we live out here. Um just hang out and just train and, you know what I mean, just enjoy some time together. Yeah, 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 man. Let's let's get right into it, dog. Uh, going back to your early days, right? So you was born and raised in Angleton, Texas. Mm-hmm. And then you was, you was a Longhorn, right? You went to University of Texas. Do me a favor, man. Break down Texas football for me, right? Like from peewee through middle school to high school, whatever. Is like, is football really as big as everyone says it is out there? <laughs> Yeah, it really is. That's the crazy thing. Uh, you know what I mean? Growing up, especially like for me, having an older brother that, you know what I mean, that was pretty much um, a legend at my high school, a legend in college, and you know what I mean, was a really good player in the NFL. It's, it's, it definitely was big time, you know what I mean? In my town, literally, we had 20,000 people in my town. and You know what I mean? When I was in high school, literally, literally probably half of the town was at the football game. When I was in high school, just to see how talented we were, um, me and one of my best friends, and then like I, I like I always tell people, we had six Division One running backs on the same team at one point. Oh shit! But Texas, man, I'm telling you, the Friday Night Light stuff, and you know, what I mean, all that stuff. That stuff is that stuff is real deal. Yeah, no, I mean, um, you know, I watch Friday Night Lights, you know, Booby Miles and all that and everything. Um, uh, you know, everyone knows me as a jeweler. Some people who know me from a long, because I'm old, bro, you know, a lot of people know me from my music days when I was working with Dr. Dre and Jay-Z and shit, but a lot of people didn't know that I played D1 football and I got a scholarship and everything, right? Right. So, like, that Friday Night Lights, that, that Booby Miles, that era was my era. That's crazy. You know, because I'm old as fuck, right? So, like, <laughs> when, I, when I think about Texas, I remember just, you know, just randomly going to camps and I'd be like, look, man, the biggest offensive lineman on, in my high school might have been like 250, 240. Right. You know, I'm seeing motherfuckers out there that's like <laughs> like 380 running like four six forties, like just ridiculous. But yeah, it's it's crazy, man. It's just it, it's super crazy, and the athletes are just getting better, like each and every year. You know what I mean? Like my high school, they're not as good as we were a few years ago, but you know what I mean. The surrounding areas that's been winning state championships, they have you know what I mean seven, eight 
nine, ten D one guys come out of there one and one year is it's crazy, man. Did you play offense in high school, like growing up or no? <laughs> yeah, I was a quarterback. I was a quarterback in high school. So Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, so that's kind of that's that was my deal. They always put it so like in my high school, my coach, he wanted to put the best athlete at quarterback. So he put me at quarterback and you know what I mean? That's kind of where I played. I played defense too. I played safety, but I really took offense serious in, in high school. But when college recruiters came and they asked me, do I want to play offense? I told them, oh, no, nah, I want to play safety. You know, play corner. So I ended up playing corner in college. That's fucking crazy. Yo, Diggs. So I was a fucking all state, all conference, all everything wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And I played like wingback sometimes, but I and I played corner in college. I got recruited and I played corner. I didn't play. I didn't play offense. It's funny you said that. That's crazy. I saw. Yeah, I was a DB <laughs> too, man. So That's when crazy. did you decide that defense? So defense, like college, is when you were like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna be a defensive player only." Yeah, because it was more of like my brother was in the league. You know what I mean? He was the fifth pick in the draft, and he played corner. You know what I mean? So my deal was. And I kind of looked at things differently, you know what I mean? I, I kind of had been around the NFL game for a while um, because I think when I was in high school, my brother was maybe like seven, eight years in, so I understood, you know what I mean? And Ladanian Thomas was my favorite running back, and then you would see like guys like question his shell life. He got released from San Diego, and I was like, I don't want to play running back. I didn't want to play receiver because I'm like, well, if I play receiver, then I got to have a great quarterback to give me the ball. So I was like, yeah. nah, that ain't going to do it for me. So I was just like, well, just go play defense. I mean, my brother played defense. You know what I mean? My, one of my favorite players at the time was Earl, of course, because he was at Texas a year or two before I got there. Shit, go L-O-B, man. Yeah, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm going to go play safety. Well, when I told the coaches, like, hey, I want to play safety, they're like, well, we got three safeties that's going to be juniors and seniors, and then – you know what I mean? We got two guys below them that we think are really good players. It's like, but we got three corners that's going to be leaving for the draft. You know what I mean? So if you play corner, you might get to start as a true freshman. Tell them, sign me up. I'm never. I want to start as a true freshman. <laughs> and that was all she wrote. You know what I mean? I went and played corner and started as a true freshman. Did you play any other sports growing up? Yeah, I played basketball and ran track. Oh, yeah. What'd you run in track? Uh, I ran 100, uh, 4 by one 4 by 2 um, I ran 200 occasionally. What was your best 100, dog? My fastest time was actually my freshman year before I started gaining weight. I ran a, a 10.52 my freshman year, which was like the crazy thing is I ran a 10.52 and I was still the fourth fastest on my relay team. Shit. Yeah, we won state my freshman year. We won state my junior year. My sophomore year, we didn't. We didn't win state because I pulled my hamstring and then our first leg, that's when the swine flu stuff was serious. So Oh shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You young. Yeah, so they pushed the swine they pushed graduation and state track meet. They put that on the same weekend. So my first leg, he had to go to graduation instead of running in the track meet, and we ended up like getting fifth place with two alternates. Oh fuck, man. Yeah. So how many uh how many colleges ended up recruiting you? Man, I had offers from every school in the country. I could have went anywhere. Uh, Damn. Literally anywhere. What was the first school that offered you a scholarship? I remember the first school offered me a scholarship was Baylor. Um, I had went to the Baylor camp that summer, balled out at the Baylor camp. And the only reason I went to the Baylor camp was because my best friend, he was thinking about going to school there. 
So I was like, heck, I'll just ride up there with you. You know what I mean? It's, it's cool. Like, And I went up there, and I remember the first day that they could send offers, I got called into the counselor's office, and I'm like, man, what I did? Because I figured <laughs> I done got in trouble. You know what I mean? I'm like, hey, somebody... Cause I'm a prankster. I'm like a jokester. So I used to always like cap jokes on people. You know what I mean? Like crack jokes all the time. Yeah. People used to go to the counselor office sometimes, but like, well, Quandre picking on me, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So I'm thinking like, dang, who did, who did I mess with today? And it was a game day. You know what I mean? It's Friday. I'm like, come on, y'all know. Oh, I, got a, shit. I got a big game coming up. And so I go in there, <laughs> I go in there and like my counselor is like, come with me. I'm like, oh, Man, so I go to the fax machine and then it's like official offer from Baylor, and I'm like, oh dang, like this dope. Before the first game of the season, we get into a brand new stadium. Like this, this supposed to be the year we win the state championship. I'm like, oh, everything falling in place nicely. And that was my first offer, and then I think TCU was second. What made you choose Longhorns? Um, uh, crazy thing is, I almost didn't go to Texas. That's the crazy thing. Texas was like my last offer. What the fuck? Right. I was like the fifth best player in the state, fourth best player in the state, something like that. And Texas was my last offer. I'm a legacy, first of all. My brother's all American there. Jim Thorpe was finalist there. Like, thinking like, oh, that's an automatic offer. You know, I'm going to get to continue the legacy. But heck, Texas didn't offer me until after everybody else offered me. They were talking about my heights and how they wanted tall corners and. You know, I mean, they didn't know what position I was going to play. So I was actually thinking about going to Bama. And, you know what I mean, right before I was going to go actually take an unofficial to Bama, Texas ended up offering me a scholarship. And my mom and my brother both wanted me to go to Texas. So, But I almost decommitted, man. I almost decommitted after they fired all the coaches and went to Bama anyway. Oh, shit. That's crazy. Like, is there a favorite game you had during your college career? Did you, was there anything that, that stood out, their favorite, oh. favorite memory or something? I think my favorite game for sure would always be the, my freshman year the rivalry against Texas A&M. You know what I mean? That's the last time we played Texas A&M in football, and I had a big impact on that game, and we ended up winning and ended the rivalry. Um, Justin Tucker kicked the game winning field goal, and we ended the rivalry like that. But that's probably my favorite game in college just because, you know what I mean, what it meant to the program, what it meant to the state of Texas. Nah, for sure. The Aggies, that's, that's definitely a big uh, – I mean – Back in the day, for me, it was a big rivalry. I remember watching that that happen. Um, what did you major in college? Uh, I majored in sports management. So when I was coming out, coming out, well, when I was in college, I'm thinking like, I want to be an NFL general manager when I'm done. I'm like, I think that'd be dope. But then when I get to the NFL and I see how many hours the GM put in and all that, I'm like, <laughs> nah, no way, no way. That's just that's that's another that's another football career. You know what I mean? With extra yeah, no, hours. it is. So I Dead just been with the family even more. So I was like, nah, I'm straight. I'm, I, I want to do broadcasting. When did you realize that you were going to be an actual professional NFL player? For me, and it's funny I say this because you know what I mean. Some people are going to think like, oh, he cocky, or you know what I mean. But you couldn't tell me, and you can ask my mom. My mom is in the in the kitchen right now. She just got here. <laughs> if, if I was to ask my mom right now, when did I think I was going to be a professional athlete? She'd probably tell you, "Oh, your first day playing football, I was in the backyard." Like I always nah, thought, come on. I, I promise you, like that's always been like what I wanted to do. So when I started little league okay. football, it was like 
I'm going to the NFL. This little league stuff ain't nothing. You know what I mean? I'm going to the NFL. Okay, so in little league you was you was balling? Little league, I was like that. I was like that. Like wow. You gotta think in my town, that's all you know what I mean, like from little league all the way they look at you when you start little league and everybody in this in this in this little town is like, Oh, that boy the truth, he he had five touchdowns in little league. You know what I mean? He had five touchdowns in the game Saturday. <laughs> then like, I can't wait till you get to middle school. You get to middle school, it's like Oh, that boy had four touchdowns in the game. Oh, I can't wait to get to high school. You know what I mean? So it was always that progression. Like, everybody was expecting me to be the next big day. Like, you know what I mean? So for me, it was always a dream that I was like, I'm going to make that a reality for sure. Well, shit then. Who did you play with coming up? Like, you know, high school, little league, whatever, college. Who did you play with that's in the pros now? Um... So me and Mike Evans used to play against each other in AAU basketball, and we played with each other in a couple tournaments in AAU basketball. So me and Mike are really close. That's my dude. Um, My best friend actually played with me at Angleton, um, Henry Joseph. He played two years in the league uh, with Jacksonville and Philadelphia. Heck, that might be it. But I got a teammate that I actually played against in high school uh, that played with me in Seattle, Brian Allen. Played against him in high school. So. Um, he's over there. So it is, you know what I mean? It, I didn't, a lot of the guys that I played with ended up not, they didn't make it to the NFL, but we had a lot of guys go D1. Right. So, okay, let's take it back to NFL draft weekend. Okay. What was going through your mind? What was you doing? Where were you? I was at my mom's house in Angleton. Um, I knew I wasn't going to go first day. You know what I mean? Like you, you know, all the guys know if they're going to go first day or not. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm thinking like, okay, maybe I'll go, what did it start on Thursday? I'm like, maybe I'll go Friday, but that's that's not likely. You know what I mean? Everybody was saying, oh, he's five foot nine. He got short arms. He didn't run fast at the combine. Well, first of all, I'm not a great tester, so I'm not going to run great at the combine. Of course, I ain't tall. I ain't never been tall, and right. I ain't never had long arms. So if that's what you're going to grade me off of, then cool, but watch the tape. You know what I mean? That's what I was all about. Watch the tape. You see what you like. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe I might go at the back end of the third round. Third round pass, no. So I wake up. So Sunday, me and my girlfriend sleeping, and we were going to have a little party, you know, a little draft party. And I get a call from the NFL team at like 9 a.m. Mind you, the draft don't start till like 11 and they're like, well, we're about to take you with our uh, one of our fourth-round picks. Um, so get the family together. You know what I mean? You're going to be a newest member of our team. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I call the family. I mean, we watching. I mean, we we getting the crawfish ready, you know what I mean? Because we crawfish, corn, and sausage. I'm, that's my favorite meal. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, let's go, you know what I mean? So it come around, fourth-round draft pick. Boom, they draft for safety. I'm like, okay, so they're going to draft for safety in a corner back-to-back? They had two fourth round picks back to back. I'm like, oh, they're gonna drive a safety in the corner back to back. Boom, they trade the next pick. And I'm like, dang, I thought y'all were supposed to pick me. You know what I mean? So I'm hot, I'm mad. So they call me. It's like, well, we got a pick in the fifth round, and we think about taking. He's like, man, I want to take you with the pick. It was the D coordinator. He's like, I want to take you with the pick, but the GM went a different way. So like, I'm getting all these phone calls from different teams. Like, we about to select you, about to select you. And I didn't even hear from Detroit. Like, I haven't heard from Detroit maybe, like, for two weeks. And it was the sixth round. I'm hot. 
Like, I'm hot. Like, mad as hell. So my best friend that I played with at Texas, uh, we were actually roommates in college. He got drafted in the fifth round to the Giants. So, like, everybody come outside. Like, Michael just got drafted. You know, I'm being to the Giants. And, like, <laughs> you can ask him. He's like, there's no way he thought he was going to go before me. You know what I mean? He was like, ain't no way. Well, he ended up getting drafted to the Giants. So I'm like, dang, and competitive I am. I ain't got no hate in my heart. I hit my best friend. I'm like, congrats, bro. Like, I'm super happy for you. You know what I mean? No hate in my heart. But the competitive I am, I'm like, dang, bro. Like, I know I'm supposed to be picked. You know what I mean? So Detroit finally called. And I can tell you right now, when they called, my family went crazy. But I'm like, shushing everybody to be quiet because I'm on the phone with them. And my DB coach get on the phone. And I had a good relationship with him at the time because I met with him at the combine. I met with him at the senior bowl. And then he would call me occasionally. So I had a good relationship with him. And he was just like, man, congrats. Like, can't wait for you to get here, blah, blah. First thing I tell him, I'm like, I got something to prove. He was like, hey, man, like, you just got drafted. Like, enjoy, you know what I mean? Enjoy the moment. I'm like, nah, everybody passed on me. I got something to prove. I'm just letting you know. And, like, after that day, he knew like, oh, he coming to here for he coming to here for blood, and <laughs> and until this day, like me and him are super close. He's actually the DB coach at uh at the Forty ers now. He just got that job this year, so like me and him are really close. And you know, what I mean, me and him talk about it all the time. Every year, you know, when the draft come around, he hit me up and he's just like, "Remember when we took you in the sixth round? How mad you was?" But <laughs> that's kind of how it went. No, nah, that's dope. That's a crazy story, man. That's, you know, I've had a lot of Seahawks. I'm biased, man. It's kind of fucked up, right? Like, I don't really have rappers on my show, even though so many of my clients are rappers, you know, and because um, I wanted the show to be different. But when it comes to sports, when it comes to football, if you don't play for the Seahawks, I really don't have you on the show. And I know a lot of people are like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? I'm the starting fucking, you know, I'm the starting receiver for the fucking 49ers. I don't give a fuck. I don't like the Niners, you know, so I don't really have people on my show. But uh, so when the Lions signed you to a four-year deal, What's the first thing you bought? Like, what's the big, the first big purchase you bought? What's the definition of big purchase? Man, anything over hundred thousand. If you, if you spent that much, or oh, you know, nah. over fifty. Nah, I ain't spent nothing like that. I was six round draft pick, so my signing bonus was only like my signing bonus was only like seventy two thousand after taxes. Oh so. shit! What'd you buy that was over twenty grand? Anything? Uh, nothing. I ain't bought nothing that was over twenty grand. The most expensive thing that I ended up having to pay at the time was uh, I had to pay back a free insurance policy from college. And that was like, oh man, yeah, and that was like ten grand. So that was like the most expensive thing I bought. But I mean, I didn't really buy nothing expensive until I got my second deal with Detroit, my extension. And then what'd you get? First thing I bought. And I had been wanting this, and I had to, you know, I mean, my financial people understood, but the first thing I bought was a freaking uh, a Rolex, Rolex diamonds. It was just like, I gotta yeah. have, I gotta have it. I've been wanting this for four years. Like, y'all not gonna stop me yeah. from getting this. Yeah, yeah. So, so what was your, I mean, what was your time like on the Lions? Like, do you like Detroit? You know, you, what, what was it like there? It was dope. You know, what I mean, uh, my first three years are probably better than the last year and a half. You know what I mean? With I had Coach Caldwell, Jim Caldwell for three years. And then the last part of my career, I had Matt Patricia. But, you know what I mean, I have no complaints. You know what I mean? I'm I'm satisfied. I'm, you know, I'm at peace with everything. But I enjoyed it. I had a lot of great moments there. You know what I mean? I had a lot of not-so-good moments there. But I also met friends for life there. So, 
Um, I, I never, you know what I mean, never bash, you know what I mean, my time with Detroit. Um, definitely different coming from Texas and going to Detroit, but that city embraced me like no other. So at the end of the day, you know what I mean, I love that city. I love the people there. And um, when it all comes down to it, I think, you know, Detroit is what made me. They drafted me. and You know, I always have a lot of respect for them. Nah, for sure. What's it like to get traded? What it feel like getting traded? It's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, I'm thinking, you know, I had just signed a three-year extension with him literally the year before. So I'm like, man, I got three more years here. You know what I mean? At, at least I'll play seven years in Detroit and, you know, maybe I'll go somewhere else. You know what I mean? That's just kind of what it was. I'm a team captain. So, you know what I mean? Of course I'm going to be there this whole year. Like, of course. You know what I mean? They all voted me team captain, so I'm going to be there this whole year. And, you know what I mean, just freaking in a quick snap, boom, my agent's calling me like, hey, you headed to Seattle. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean I'm headed to Seattle? I'm like, bro, I'm sleeping on my couch. What are you talking about? He was like, Seattle just traded you. Detroit traded you up out of there. You know what I mean? You got to get ready to go. And then just crazy how, like, all the calls start coming through. You know what I mean? Pete's calling. John Schneider's calling. It's just like. It's crazy. Tyler Locke is calling. Like he's like, bro, we teammates now. Like you know, what I mean, me and Tyler's been really good friends since college. And it's just like, what just happened? You know, what I mean. So I had to uproot the family, even though my family was living in Texas. My girl and my daughter, they were living in Texas. You know, what I mean, they would come back and forth uh, to Detroit. But you know, what I mean, you got to move. You know, what I mean, you got to get everything situated. My mom and dad had to fly out there the next day to help my girlfriend pack the house up to ship all our stuff to Seattle. So it's just, it's a lot that goes into it that a lot of people don't know, but you know what I mean? I think it was a great trade. No, hey bro, we'll get into that in a second, but I mean, like you want to talk about difference because bro, you got to remember, man, I've been everywhere in the world. You know, I'm not only am I a jeweler, I'm an entrepreneur. So, you know, I own businesses, different places. Dan Gilbert, he owns half of Detroit. You know, he's flown me to Detroit before. You know, I've been to the D and uh, you know, I was vice president of Aftermath Entertainment. So, you know, Eminem was our biggest artist on the label, you know, so like going out there. But uh, listen, man, this is the part I've really been trying to get to. You feel me? What's it like? How's it been being a Seattle Seahawk, man? Tell me the truth, man. What's good? Man, it's totally different. You know what I mean? Like, it's more of like now I'm getting to see, you know what I mean, the marketability, you know what I mean? Like. You seeing how marketable um, Seattle is, the Seahawks. You know what I mean? Like, I remember when I got traded there, my followers went from like fifty thousand to eighty thousand in like three days. And I'm just like, what? I'm like, dang, it's like that. And like, it's crazy. You know what I mean? Like being a Seattle Seahawk, the what comes with it. You know what I mean? The history of being a DB in that secondary. You know what I mean? Like the Legion of Boom, like. That's, that's what I grew up on, you know what I mean? I grew up watching Earl and Cam and Sherm and Brandon Browner and Byron Maxwell, those guys, Jeremy Lane, you know what I mean? I grew up watching them, and, you know what I mean, now I get to put on the same uniform they put on, you know what I mean? I trained in the same facility that they trained in, and I get to be around Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright and Russell Wilson every day, you know what I mean? So it's dope. But what about like I'm talking about? What about the twelves though, bro? Tell me, is no you think that that playing for the twelves, playing in that, don't you think that's way different than other stadiums, oh, like our fan base? No question. 
Like, I remember my first game. I played in Seattle with Detroit my first year in the league, and it was super loud. But as an opposing team, I'm like, I'm just trying to get right. I ain't really trying to. You know what I mean? <laughs> but <laughs> when you a player there, and it's like, I get two instances. My first game, I wasn't playing. I was still rehabbing my hamstring, and we were playing Tampa Bay, and it was like fourth down and something. And I'm literally talking to a person next to me, and I can't hear anything he's saying, like anything. And he's right next to me. You know what I mean? And and I'm not – I just got traded there, but, like, all the fans, are like, before the game, like, Quandre, we can't wait for you to suit up. Like, we can't wait, blah, blah. Like, I ain't never played a snap there. I'm like, damn. The second instance was, like, my first game. I think it was Monday night football, Sunday night football. We played against the Vikings. It might have been Monday night. Yeah, that was Monday night. So, like, I remember going in there. First of all, in Detroit, we didn't do, like, player introductions. You know what I mean? We just ran out as a team. Well, I remember, like, looking at the board, and I see 37 up there, and I'm, like, third to last. I'm like, oh, dang, this is my first home game. Like, I'm third to last? They going to have me third to last like that? So I'm like, dang, I don't know what, you know what I mean? All my life, I've been dreaming of him, you know what I mean? Like, you know, safety, coins right there. Like, so I'm in my mind, I'm like, I've been thinking about what I can do running out this tunnel for the longest. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Then when it happened, it was like 37, uh, safety, coins. Like, I kind of froze up and just like ran out and like hit my chest, you know what I mean? Like, powered up, but it was like <laughs> definite, like, it was so yeah. loud, like, it was hard. It's kind of, like, hard to remember, like, the moment because you kind of just kind of black out and just go into Yeah, you black out, right? You just yeah. go blank. And I'm a, I'm a fucking fan doing this, and I just feel like, wow, sometimes I get so emotional. I get in that in that, in that that 12 mode, and it's just, man, so... Uh, it's one of a kind. It's one of a kind, for sure. Who are your uh, your favorite NFL players to cover? Um, As, like, a DB or, like, as, as, as a, a DB, dog. Um, I think for me it was different when I was at nickel. You know what I mean? When I was at nickel and I was actually battling guys man-to-man all the time, it was different. But, you know what I mean? I love to watch, like, Tyreek Hill because, you know what I mean, he can he's so explosive. You know what I mean? I love – Yeah, for real. You know what I mean? I love going against guys like that, like Tyreek. You know what I mean? Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen. Like, those guys are technicians running the routes. You know what I mean? So – I got a lot of respect for those guys, but like, you know, I mean, those are two, like Keenan and Devontae, those are like two of my favorite guys to compete against when I was at nickel. Like, it was fun. You know what I mean? It was like, I know I got to buckle my chin strap up and be ready to go today because these boys don't bring it. You know what I mean? I know they're going to bring it each and every weekend. Um, Larry, Fitz, Larry Fitzgerald, you know what I mean? We had some battles when I was at nickel. Yeah, of course. Fitz. You know what I mean? He lines up in the slot predominantly, and that was like... I fucking hate him. <laughs> I, I love, fucking hate him, bro. I love Fitz, man. Like I hate that motherfucker, bro. You have sure. to understand. Look, man, being a 12 <laughs> fan for this long, understand that Arizona's the last team we play every year. So they're always shitty. They, get, they don't give a fuck. They just play literally balls to the wall while we kind of like, all right, we got the playoffs coming up. Let's just chill out. And they go fucking crazy. And we just like, it just for some reason on a fluke, we don't really beat A's in it. Just they're not a great team. It's just, but Fitz is amazing. He's a legend. I'm just saying, like, what a fucking nightmare, you know? Like, yeah, nah, no doubt. I definitely understand. You know, what I mean, Fitz is one of those guys. Like, you dap him up, and he's like, "Hey, have a blessed day, have a blessed day." But then he blocked the hell out of you. You know, what I mean? the <laughs> next play, 
So, like, you got to be prepared for that. But, you know I mean, I love competing against Fitz. You know what I mean? Just the, the legend that he is. Well, you know, now it got me thinking, who talks the most shit in a game? Like, who's to talk the most trash to you in a game to date? Oh, you know, it's crazy. Nobody really talked trash to me just because of the fact, like, I don't really say too much on the field. I'm kind of, like, locked in just being me. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the reputation that I've built in this league is, like, I don't really talk a lot. I go make plays. You know what I mean? I hit hit your ass and people know that you know what I mean so like, yeah. I, like people don't try to bark up that tree because it's just like oh shit like I done made it mad you know what I mean I think the only person that really talked trash to me that I really got mad at and was Cam Newton oh like, fuck it was Cam yeah like I hit Cam and he legitimately you gotta think Cam 6'6 250 you know what I mean I'm 5'9 he's nine. a big motherfucker bro right I'm 5'9 195 200 at the max. So I hit Cam, you know what I mean? I kind of got up and just kind of was walking out. He was like, that's all you got, little man? And oh, shit. I was like, straight up, I was like, all right. I was like, bitch, next time I helmet to helmet your ass. <laughs> like, real talk. I was like, I, I take that fine. That's what I'm, I'm about that. And Holy like, shit. That's kind of how it went. And then the next year, I ain't had no problems, you know what I mean, with him. But, like, we ain't got no beef. It's just like, that's just a competitor I am. You ain't going to disrespect me as a man. That's a disrespectful comment, you know what I'm saying? For him, even though he's six, look, he's bigger than everyone in the, in the league. But, I mean, bro, what's it like being 5'9 and have to hit a motherfucker that big? I literally accept that challenge, you know what I mean? Like, I like it. Like, that's just pretty cool. Like, me <laughs> cutting down Gronk, like... I cut down Gronk, and I'm like, shit, trees get cut down every day. You know what I mean? That's just, that's kind of what it is. I kind of relish those moments. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's really a challenge. It's like, okay, this five nine guy out there throwing his body around and cracking six five, six four, six six. You know what I mean? Cracking guys like that, like that's how you earn your respect. Nah, for sure. You know, actually, now that now you say that, what's the biggest hit you've ever laid on somebody in the league? Um. In the league, in the league. I don't know. I had a few. I've had a few. Probably that one against Irv Smith this past year when I was with Seattle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When I just kind of ran through his face. You know what I mean? That's... Bro, I became a fan after that one, dog. I became, <laughs> I legit became a fan after that one. And I think, and you know what's funny? I don't know if you remember, because like, whatever, you know, I'm an old ass. They call me Boomer, all that bullshit. But, you know, I have a big following and whatever. People know when I follow them. You know, sometimes I don't realize some NFL people are like, oh, man, I'm a fan of yours, whatever. Like, even like, you know, I have an NFL endorsement. I'm endorsed by the NFL. I make the Snickers chain. You know, every week we give it to the player of the week. And, you know, Tyler, he won the Snickers chain this last season. Yep, I was over and, at um, his house when he was doing the shoot. Yeah, and um, when you made that hit, I said, let me go find this motherfucker on Twitter. Where the <laughs> fuck is Quandre Diggs? I started following you, and I, I, I remember I, I tweeted you. I said, bruh, bruh, oh, my God, that was a hell of a hit. And I remember you were like, all right, and you follow back. I'm like, okay, usually, you know, someone else followed me first. It was just like, I was like, let me find this dude fucking Twitter right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's, I was hyped. It is so crazy because I remember when Tyler did the shoot, right? They was like, Ben Baller did the chain. I'm like, Ben Baller, like, the jury? Do you know what I mean? The jury got Ben Baller? Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, so this is really like a real-ass chain. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Tyler was like, Tell him make me one, but I need it for free. But Tyler's super cheap, you know what I mean? Like he's super. Oh my super god, cheap. Tyler, so if you're he, listening, I'm sorry, bro. You cheap, man. 
<laughs> he's super cheap, so he like, I ain't gonna buy it. Ask him if he'd do it. He, Tyler was like, I, I heard he had on my jersey the other day. Maybe he'd give me a free change. So I'm like, damn, like Ben Baller, Seahawks fan. And yeah, then, then like when when you follow me, I'm like, bro, that's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, that is crazy. You know what I mean? The followers that you get, like Chris Pratt followed me as soon as I got traded to Seattle. I'm like, yeah. The celebrities, you know what I mean? Like, that's dope. Yeah, no, Chris Pat big. I mean, fuck it, even see, to see Bill Gates wear a jersey during the Super Bowl and things like that. You know, I mean, obviously he's Seattle legend, but right. tell me what it feels like, bro, to break up a long ball. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's that feel like, bro? It's dope, but it's a sense of relief. You know what I mean? Because it's just like, shit, if he would have caught that, your ass might have been on sports center <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's it's one of them. Yeah, I made that play. I was supposed to make it, but you also thinking like, whew, I'm glad he didn't catch that shit." Like, yeah, hey, you know what I mean? It's one of them moments. But like, those the moments that you recognize as a DB because it's like you asked to play this position and you know the stresses that come with playing this position. What's been the highlight of your career so far to date? Um, the highlight of my career. So far, uh, I mean, you got you know you got a way to go. I would say, you know, what I mean, like, I think my biggest accomplishment to date is just being able to see my second contract. You know, what I mean, like, I'm a six round draft pick. You know, what I mean, the life, my lifetime in the league was supposed to be over probably like four years ago, five years ago. You know, what I mean, I'm only supposed to be able to play one, two years at the max. Now I'm going on year yeah. six. Signed a second deal, you know what I mean, that made me, you know what I mean, made me money that I'm set for for life, you know what I mean, like that I can give my daughter and let her enjoy, you know what I mean, the fruits of my labor. But I think yeah. that's like the dopest part for me is just like being able to, you know what I mean, be able to be set knowing that I've got to play a game that I love. What's it like facing Russell Wilson in practice, bro? Is he really a beast? He really a beast. And you know what's crazy? I've always had a lot of respect for Russ, and I've always thought he was, like, one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And I'm I'm saying, like, I've always thought he was top five in the league, you know what I mean, from just watching him play and the things he did. But getting in practice, and it's like, I remember he'd be like, dang, they letting Russ extend this play for a long time before he throw the ball. Like, <laughs> come on, bro. Like, he ain't going to have that much time in the game. Come on. Then you get in the game, and he doing that Houdini shit, and – you looking around like, oh shit, that he did that at practice. You know what I mean? Like, that's what he was doing at practice. But like, you see it, up, you see it up close and personal, and you like, oh damn, he the truth. Like, he really the truth. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's crazy going against him because like he's so smart. You know what I mean? You know he's elusive, but he doesn't even run at practice. You know what I mean? He can carve you up just sitting in the pocket, which is dope. You know what I mean? So. You know what I mean? I, I've always thought he was one of the better quarterbacks, and my opinion, my rating for him has definitely went up since I've gotten there. So then, who are the toughest quarterbacks to read in the league? You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, like hard to see where they don't throw the ball out and everything. Number one is definitely A Rod. Aaron Rodgers is the toughest quarterback for me to read. Him and Drew Brees, because Drew is so sh he's so short that you can't see him. You know what I mean? Behind the offensive lineman, so you're kind of guessing where you where he's going. But, like, Aaron Rodgers is like, he can look you off, look you off, look you off, look you off, and just flick the wrist and the ball is there. You know what I mean? Like, you can't make a play on it because his release is so quick and his arm strength is so crazy that he can make those throws. Yeah. You know what I mean? That a lot of people can't make. I mean, bro, he's, look, at, I, I never said this before publicly. 
he's probably one of my favorite quarterbacks outside of, you know, obviously Russell Wilson. I'm just saying this, you know, fucking uh, me and my cousin, we flew to fucking Lambeau for that game, for that playoff game, fucking freezing our asses off. <laughs> a thousand of fucking die. And I got fucking, I got Tyler, DJ, all, I'm sitting at 50, bro, 50 yard line, Seahawks side. I got Tyler laughing at me. He's like, oh, your punk ass made it out here? God damn. I see DJ laughing at me, Quinn and everyone like, damn, you really came. I was like, because I hate the cold. That's right. why I hate Detroit and hate everything. It was just, it's a different experience. And then on top of that, like, you know, just playing against fucking Aaron. That's a bullshit, man. Anyway, I won't talk about that game no more. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on Quinn Dunbar, man? Like, I really, we really need him to step up and, and like solidify our secondary. Right. You want to speak on that or you want to, I mean, just saying, what's your thoughts on Quentin? Um, I think he brings a lot to the table. You know what I mean? I, I do think that I've, I've always kind of seen him, you know, play, play, watch him on film. You know what I mean? You see how his instincts and stuff like that. But I think he brings a lot to the table. He's a long corner like Seattle likes. Um, you know, I think he has some versatility. He can play inside, he can play outside. And, you know what I mean? I just hope everything works out for the best for him. You know what I mean? I hope the situation is solved and, you know what I mean, he got a lot of life to live and, um, you never want to see something bad happen to anybody. That's just the type of person I am. No, you sound like a really, really, really decent person, man. Um, tell me, do you think we'll get Clowney back? Is he going to side with us or what the fuck, man? Man, I hope so. <laughs> oh, shit. You ain't heard nothing? I ain't heard nothing, man. I talked to Clowney about a month ago. And, you know what I mean? He was just training, getting his mind right. And, um, you know what I mean? I try to stay out of people's contract business. You know what I mean? I try no, to for sure. But, like, uh, Clowney's a beast, you know what I mean? I hope we can get him back. You know what I mean? I hope he can add to what we've already added this past offseason. And, you know what I mean? We can get back. And, you know what I mean? He's healthy. Get him back healthy, full speed while he's killing people like he was killing that San Fran game. And, you know what I mean? We yeah. just we get the roller and get past the second round this year. I mean, bro, I might have to fuck around and make him a chain for free just because I need that motherfucker to come. Like, a, no bullshit. By the way, I got banned from uh, Levi Stadium. I got escorted out by the police. For real? Yeah, that Thursday night football game. We went crazy. And we won two. So I really went crazy because I, I have an apartment in, in a high rise in San Francisco. I went to college out there. I, went, I played at Cal. And then I went to SF State and played. And then um, I've always had ties to the Bay Area. I'm not born and raised in LA. So I've always hated the Niners all my life. I fuck, fuck the Niners, right? So that game was a big deal. Like me and E-40 got into a fight online at the stadium. Everything. I just, and that's my boy. That's like my big homie and everything. And like, I had fans threatening me. I was like, man, come do something, fat boy. Oh, punk ass. Boy. I was going crazy on everyone. And the fucked up part about it was, I'm sitting in a section with like Seattle front office people. So they're like, Ben, man, really? Come on, Ben, really? Come on, Ben. That's not a good attitude. And like, you know, I just hate the Niners, man. So I just get so emotional. But um, speaking of which, man, do you think there's a real big difference between regular season football and playoff football? Like, is there really a difference intensity? No question. And I, this is the first year I got the experience. You know I mean, I went to the playoffs with Detroit when they played Seattle my second year, but I was hurt. I had tore my peg. So I had oh, no shit, okay. I've been trying to get back to the playoffs. So. You know what I mean? We got to play that Philly game all week. You know what I mean? That's that's what everybody talking about. It's playoff football. It's playoff football. And then you finally get there and get the experience, and it was just like, dang. You know what I mean? Like, it really is faster. You know what I mean? Stuff happens faster. People playing harder. You know what I mean? There's not many mistakes. Like, guys are locked in. So, you know what I mean? It's, you can't make the mistakes that, you know what I mean, that you make. And I feel like you game plan harder and better and smarter because it's the playoffs. You know what I mean? You know everybody's going to be watching that shit. So you try to put in all your effort. And I remember after the game, 
uh, Pete was like, congrats to the guys, you know, their first playoff win. And he, he shouted me out, you know what I mean? Like, that meant a lot to me. Cause it's just, oh, nice. He recognized me for winning my first playoff game, you know what I mean? So that was really dope. You know, uh, you know the steakhouse called Daniels. Yeah, yep. and um, that's right by the team hotel. Yeah. So, by the way, you know, I, when I do the interviews for the players, I used to go to the. I'm not gonna say it, even look at most people who are Seahawks fans. They know where the hotel is. I ain't about to go tell one million people where the fuck the hotel is. You feel me? I know where it is. But right. Um. So one time I'm eating there, and I see Pete there, right? <laughs> and you know, if people don't know. Okay, so let me explain to the fans that are listening. Daniel's is like a uh, a lower key Mastro's, but it's a very nice steakhouse. It's, mm-hmm. it's upper echelon. It's good. So you know, bottom line is if you with a few people, you already know no drinks, just food and everything. It's gonna be a couple hundred dollars, no problem, easy, right? So Pete, something the waiter told me thirty four tables offered to pay for Pete's dinner. He couldn't pay for it if he wanted to. They, nobody was. It was thirty four different tables all willing to pay for Pete's meal. And I'm like, ain't that a bitch? <laughs> That's crazy, oh, man. Yeah, because people love, you know, dog, Seattle, they love him, man. Oh, yeah. But uh, let me ask you, man, real talk. Do you think there's going to be an NFL season this year? I think it will be. You know what I mean? I don't know exactly how to be set up, but I think it will I think it will be. You know what I mean? I think we had a pleasure of being, you know what I mean? We have times. So the season really not supposed to start in September. Of course, you got preseason, but, like, come on, nobody's really freaking out over preseason games. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. We got the opportunity to see what basketball does if they restart their season. We got the opportunity to see if baseball is going to restart their season. So we, you know what I mean? We have time. We can figure out, you know, what's the oh, best, way, the best ways to go through things. You know what I mean? So yeah, I just had Jock Peterson on my show last week, and he's a starting outfielder for the Dodgers, uh-huh. and uh, it's my favorite team. And so like, he just told me they got green lit. They start practice June 10th, and they try to start the season early July. So one thing he did tell me, look, I got NFL players, I got NBA players on my, on my show and everything. One thing that most NBA players are telling me that they're physically in shape, but they're missing shots because they ain't in the gym. You know what I'm saying? Not many people have a gym to practice in. They can't go. And then with baseball, you know, guys are getting out of weight and this and that. How are you training right now to stay ready, dog? I'm doing my normal training, really. You know what I mean? I don't train with a lot of guys anyway, so... For me, it's just kind of been normal, you know what I mean? For about a month, month, month and a half, I was just at home, you know what I mean? I got some weights in the in the garage. Uh, I got a Peloton bike that I'm always on. So I was just doing a lot of cardio, uh, a lot of band work, a little bit of weight work. So I was just doing that. And, you know what I mean? I started back my regular training about two weeks ago um, on the field. You know what I mean? It's just me, my trainer, and my little nephews that be with me. So, um that's kind of how it's been for me. So nothing really changed for me. Um, so you're training just as hard as you did last year then, right? I'm probably training harder than I did because I've, oh, I've added the Peloton bike. So Yeah, uh, thank God. Um, yeah, I've added that. And Sherm lives and dies. Richard Sherman, he, he lives and dies by that Peloton bike. You know what I mean, we all in the group message. Yeah. We, we compete. I just got bike. on one. You just got well, one? I got I just got one. I got an Echelon. It's like, the, it's like BMW Mercedes. Like So they just, you know, I got an Echelon. And uh, they're a sponsor for the show. Uh-huh. And I never had a stationary bike in my life. And I'm like, holy shit, this is changing my life right here. Like, this is dead ass. This changed my life. Oh, it's the truth. Like, this bike. Yeah. It's the truth, man. I've been riding that thing, just getting cardio. So my cardio has been good, you know what I mean? At my workouts, I haven't been super tired or anything like that. It's just, you know what I mean, same old thing for me. Like I said, I don't like to be around a lot of people anyway. So the training is perfect for me. <laughs> Yeah, just, damn, you sound so much like me. It's crazy, man. So let me ask, man. 
are we going to win it all this year or what, man? Come on, man. That's the plan, bro. That's the plan. You know what I mean? Like, every year you go into the season and you, like, Seattle always has a chance to win the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? You can never you can never doubt that. I know since I've been in the league, you've always been like, Seattle got a chance to win the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? That's just kind of what it is. So we're always a contender. It's just all about putting it together. You know, hopefully we get a couple more pieces, some big pieces, baby. Hopefully Clowney come back. You know what I mean? We got a couple more guys out there that, you know I mean, I know that we're looking at. So um, hopefully we can, you know, add a couple more pieces and, you know what I mean, get ready to play ball. Yeah. So check it out, man. This is my last question to you. When the NFL ends for you, right, mm-hmm. when your career is over, what do you want to do? Oh, I want to be a broadcaster. I want to do broadcasting. Um, that's kind of what I want to do. But I kind of want to do it, you know what I mean, more part-time than full-time. You know what I mean? I think when I'm done – if everything goes right, like I, you know, like, like I wanted to go with, you know what I mean? I'm God willing that I stay healthy and I get a third contract. You know what I mean? I'll be super set for life. So, you know what I mean? I don't plan on doing working. I don't plan on working for money. You know what I mean? I plan on working just for the joy and um, the, the entertainment part of it. You know what I mean? Just to keep myself busy. You know what I mean? I've been on a schedule my whole life freaking playing football. So, you know what I mean? I'm gonna have to do something. I can't just be sitting in the house and, um, I, that's kind of what I, <laughs> that's kind of what I see for myself, man. I see myself kind of keeping busy, keeping active and, um, trying to figure out what I'm gonna do, but I, I definitely want to do broadcasting. I've had a couple people tell me, you know I mean? I'm, I'm gonna be perfect in that. So, you know, who's the most shocking, unbelievable, insanely good broadcaster who I fucking hate him, but it, Tony Romo, cause I hate the Cowboys too. Right. But this guy <laughs> For him to call out what Brady's going to do, what Breeze is going to do, like his play, he's, he's insane. This dude is like, I mean, he's a really amazing, well, you know, when you're a quarterback, it's different, but just to call out the plays and really just see it, it's amazing to see his perspective. That's, you know, that is the truth, bro. He's the best broadcaster on anything right now just because of what he does. You know what I mean? Like, that's why he's so high paid. Like, people are like, why is he getting so much money? But like, if you listen to a game, and you, bro, could you imagine <laughs> if he was a fucking coordinator for another team watching it from the skybox? Like, bro, he's calling the fucking plays. He sees it immediately. It's like, it's insane. Give him a walkie-talkie, bro. He's going to be dangerous, you know? Like, So, uh, Q, real quick, man. Every guest I ever have on this show, right, and this is a top award-winning podcast, right, the last question, the real true last question I ask every guest is, is there anything you'd like to ask me? <laughs> and that's the last question. Uh, you know what I mean? It, it's dope. So that that's a dope question. I think, yeah, I do. You know what I mean? Like, what? And like you said, you've mentioned Eminem. You mentioned Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre, freaking legends. You know what I mean? Like, legends. Who's probably the coolest person that you've ever been around that you just like, bro? I can't believe you know what I mean. I'm actually around him. You know what I mean? Because we all had those moments. Like, shit, man. To be see, look, I'm older. So it's kind of like different, like, you know, like I was there, I kind of helped Drake in his beginning of his career. Like he thanked me right. on the 10 year anniversary of So Far Gone. So it's like, but that's different because he's like a young homie. And so like, it's kind of like, you know, Dre, obviously, even throughout the whole time I worked for Dre, I felt like, damn, this is crazy. Sometimes at house parties, we had Eddie Murphy's house and just won the Grammy and Dre just won producer of the year. And we turned to, we DJing at the party because the DJ sucks. <laughs> Me and Dre take over the turntables and then Eminem starts rapping and freestyling. Like it was like legend, it's four in the morning, legendary in Beverly Hills, like, you know, crazy shit. But like when it comes to like being around somebody and I'm like, like starstruck and like shocked, like it got to be like, 
probably somewhere between Prince or Michael Jackson because I made Michael Jackson's jewelry and like like one of them like where I'm just like holy shit and even though Michael Jackson wasn't the nicest person right not at all whatsoever you know I mean I've probably damn near met everybody you know what my bad you know what I idolized Mike Tyson almost all my life you know since since the early 80s and Mike Tyson had me on his show yeah and the stories this motherfucker had <laughs> And uh, I met Mike, you know, like during the heyday when he was just breaking people's jaws open in, in public, didn't give a fuck. Right. And the day before the show, I was thinking, I was like, damn, man, you know, I'm like six foot, I'm about 200, 205. And I'm like, you know, Mike looked kind of shabby, you know, and I was telling my wife, just joking with her. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to just size Mike up, see what the fuck he talking about. And my <laughs> wife was like, my, my, my wife was like, look. You're, I was 46 at the time. My wife was like, you're 46, okay? He's 50-something. Listen, he will fuck your whole life up and fuck you. Don't even try. I was like, nah, man, we, I'm just going to size him up. So I get to the studio. Right. And Mike pulls up next to me, and he's like, hey, what's up? And he kind of scared me because I didn't hear him coming. <laughs> and, you know, Mike is short, right? Mike right. is like, oh, not short, but I mean, he's like, he's like 5'10", but he's like, he's wide. Right. Right, like Barry Sanders. He put his hand on my shoulder. And he squeezed just a little bit. Bro, I swear to God, I felt the power, like Thanos in his, in his hand. And I didn't try to, I didn't say shit the rest of the time. I actually was really kind of like shy. I'm not a shy person, dog. I talk mad shit everywhere. I'm like, you, I'm a class clown. When he put his hand on my shoulder, it shut me the fuck up because I realized he, look, Quandry, you my boy. If me and you had to fight Tyson today, he would just, he would just, I mean, he's so scary. Like he has so much power in his hands. It actually fucked me up. So, so I smoked a lot of weed during the interview because, you know, it's, it's a weed show. Right. And it calmed, it calmed me down. I kept thinking like, yo, what was I thinking? This guy right. fucking, he would smash me into two pieces. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and by the way, a lot of people don't know this. Mike Tyson wears a size 15 shoe. In that short? Yeah, and it's just like he just looks—he's just crazy. He got so much strength in his hand, you know. Like when he when he shook my hand, I squeezed a little bit, and I thought he was gonna fucking take like break my hand. Like it was like, man, bro. Bro, and see, and this is probably the last thing I say because I don't want to extend it too much. But bro, it's so crazy you say that because I've always asked people. You, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, but every time Mike Tyson does something, I always like quote tweeted and be like, "Would you fight Mike Tyson for a million dollars?" And I always get dumbass responses from people like, hell yeah, I'll take that million. I'll be like, nah, man. that million ain't going to mean nothing because he going to reconstruct your face. Like, yeah. So, you know, like I said, I stood next to dude and um, I've seen him fight. Actually, I've been blessed to see one of his later fights. And uh, like, again, after we finished the show, we had lunch together mm-hmm. and he was eating and just the way he was even eating I, he looked like a lion, like eating food. It was just scary. I really wanted to leave. I didn't want to stay, but I don't want to disrespect him. Be like, oh, I can't eat lunch or whatever. He's like, nah, man, stay. What you mean? We got lunch for you here. And I was like, uh, okay. And I didn't really eat. Like I was acting like a little bitch, man. It was weird. Cause <laughs> he put his hand on my shoulder, you know what I mean? And it changed everything. Like I was thinking about, you know, even if I was broke and I had no money, I wouldn't fight him for a million, bro. He would fucking just, man, I can't, exp- like dog, he's, he just, God, man, I'm, even at 50, I'm with you, bro. Ain't no way in hell I'm getting in a ring with him. Yeah, no, hell no. It's just crazy. But yo, Quandry, let me say this first, please. From the bottom of my heart, being a 12 fan, die hard for life, man. Regardless of whatever happens in the career, I'm not saying that in any kind of weird way. I'm saying if 
next season you were to go to fucking play for Dallas or New Orleans or whatever, I wish you the best. I'm so excited that you are on our beloved defense for my beloved Seahawks. And thank you so much for being on the show, man. I really appreciate it, bro. Yes, sir. Appreciate you having me, man. For sure, for sure. Yeah, man. Um, for those of you who are new to the show, anyone who's been really listening to this pandemic and, and caught up and shit, you know, like, if you see the transition of when I started this podcast and now, especially, you know, when I'm doing interviews, you hear how crystal clear it is. That's Miles Davis and Jordan Winter, the Dust Brothers, that produced this show and make it sound crystal clear. This shit is an HD stereo sound because of them. Okay, so when I interview somebody now, because of the pandemic, I'm doing it through a phone call. All right, we don't do that Zoom bullshit, or anything else. It just you know, but but we do it through the phone call, and they still make it sound really good, even if the other guy doesn't have a great you know. So no one takes it as serious as we do. Okay, but just letting you know that that's how we get down. We've been doing them over the phone. Eventually, soon. We will do some, you know, I hopefully will go back, you know, maybe wear the masks and we'll do, you know, in-person interviews again, uh, hopefully for episode 100. That's a big deal. That's coming up, you know, in, in three weeks or so. But anyways, check game, man. If the NFL local stadium of, in your city, right, allows half of the stadium to attend the games, I'm wondering what the fuck happens to my season tickets? Because, you know, I got to donate 20000 to the charter fund for CenturyLink and, and for the Seahawks and Seattle. I don't know where the fuck it goes, whatever. But I'm just saying, like, I got two seats, okay? It's my eighth season being a Seahawk season ticket holder. Not season, charter seats. My name's on the seats, okay? What does that mean? I got to go by myself now? Fuck is like, what the fuck's going on? Would you attend a football game? I'm asking you guys. Would you attend a football game in the dead center of flu season? Why do I ask that? Because you already know. Flu season comes, motherfuckers ain't going to know. Is it COVID? Is it flu? You know what, man? I hope this shit all goes away. I hope I'm wrong. I would let somebody smack the fire out of my mouth if that means that everyone could go back and be fucking normal. Okay? You see, most of you don't got a family member at home that can die from this. That's what changes the entire game for me. But, you know, speaking of Quandre, every time I think about the Seahawks, it just drives me nuts because I do want to see the games. It's one fucking special time of the year for me that I fly to Seattle four or five times. You know, I get to fucking hit the pike and hit whatever and just check out the random shit and spend time with my cousin. And, you know, I could see my Seattle fans and things like that. And just, you know, I want to watch the games. You know, if I got to watch it on TV, it is what it is. You know, it's going to be weird as fuck to watch without fans or more importantly, fan noise. You know, or just watching the I don't know, like they have to zoom in or something. I, I guess we're just gonna have to see. I saw a mock-up. I'm sure a lot of you guys have too. I saw a mock-up of the playoffs for the NBA. Like the, the NBA playoffs. I saw did you guys see that mock-up? Like the um the fucking uh the brackets. I saw the fucking brackets. Bro, come on, man. Get the fuck out of here. That shit can't be real life. Okay. If it is. And it's going to have to be regardless anyway. This is for sure an asterisk season. that They have to put an asterisk by the season. It's just fucking bullshit. But uh, look, man, shout out to my agents, uh, Matt and Eric. Shout out to my agency, 
XLSM, the greatest motherfucking agency in the world, the greatest sports agency in the world. I just happen to be a non-pro athlete. Um, shout out to my boy Don C. He's not a pro athlete either, and he's with XL. But uh, they sponsored and held that Tiger Woods golf tournament, you know, with that Peyton Manning shit that happened this, this past weekend. And it was the most watched and highest rated golf event ever. Congrats to my fam. That's big. That's my agency. Okay. They rep Tiger Woods. They rep Peyton Manning. They, they represent fucking Derek Jeter. Yes, Mr. November. They helped me get that guap. All right. And I helped them look good. Speaking of which, talking about some of these endorsements, that NBA 2K1 game is coming soon. Shout out to my boy Ronnie2K. He wants to get on the podcast. I will get him on here soon. Uh, Ronnie is a fucking goof, man. He's so fucking funny. But yeah, I'm, I'm in the game again. A new season. I don't know what. Um, I think there's going to be a little surprise. I can't talk about it. I almost said it off the files and a half to have Miles edit that shit out. I almost said it, but it's coming sooner than you think. Yes. Um, also, I got to start making the new 2021 NFL snicker chain, you know, player of the week snicker chain. It's my second year doing this. Look, man, understand this, okay? I got three endorsements now, all right, in all three major sports. I got baseball, basketball, football. This is fucking crazy. And I'm washed up like fuck, all right? Nothing that I've put my name on in the last 20 years has ever not performed, okay? Nothing that I've ever done or been a part of has been small, all right? Um, I just got this in the back of my head again because I'm thinking about the fucking, the, these idiots that are getting mad about Keyshore selling fucking 99,000 cards, man. Look, man. <sighs> I got some time to think about these big runs and people are, are worried about these these print runs. Look, man, the market value doesn't change if you got a hot item. If your item is dope, look, man, 200,000 is 10% of all my social media following. That ain't shit. And you know what? There's a fucking two, three million people. There's more than that. There's maybe 10 million people who know who I am. They just don't follow me, okay? If they realize there's ways to make money, there's something cool, they like it, there's so many sports fans out there, imagine how many fucking fans there are of the Mets or of the Dodgers or whatever, okay? This shit, if it's hot, it's gonna be hot regardless, okay? And the reason why I'm saying that is because people forget that I designed the hottest fucking sneaker of 2018, Okay, we sold 175,000 pairs of Air Max 97 slash ones, aka the Sean Witherspoons. All right, yes, I designed that shoe. Okay, we sold them at $250 a pair. All right, retail, and that ain't a rare shoe at all whatsoever. And guess what? It ain't like you could just get them anywhere. I mean, you can, but you're gonna pay the ass on them. All right, look. They hit resale the day they came out at fucking $800, all right? And it stayed consistent. It's been over two years, and the shoes are at $1,500 legit, okay? So don't fucking worry, all right? Just relax. By the way, on personal news, on my health, if you guys care, if you don't care, fuck you, I don't care. It's my podcast. I'm going to say what the fuck I want to talk about. But um, I've been meaning to go see the dentist, and I've said this many times. 
right? Your oral health is a good look at your overall health, okay? And um, just because my teeth are pretty, that don't mean motherfucking thing, okay? Because I got a cavity that's been driving me motherfucking crazy. I was supposed to go see my dentist in early March, but I got scared because of fucking COVID. And, you know, masks were hard to find. I had some. But I don't know if they have, whatever. I just was, you know, my mouth will be open. I'll be fucking asleep, breathing. Who fucking knows? They might put a fucking dick in my mouth. I don't fucking know. I'm just joking, Dr. Amir. Um, but now it's been almost three months, and this cavity is driving me fucking nuts. I have to chew on one side now because it fucking hurts. So this cavity is now a fucking root canal. So I'm like low-key pissed, okay? Dr. Amir Wahab of Unforgettable Smile in Beverly Hills. What the fuck, bro? You got to give me some good-ass drugs. Because this shit is driving me fucking crazy, all right? By the way, I had to fucking do these grills with you. Speaking of doctors, remember I had that uh, mobile doctor come to my house and he performed antibody tests on me in London and my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, my wife. Anyways, well, I got my blood work done. This week, was it? Yeah, I forgot. I'm, I'm so fucking out of it right now. I got my blood work done and I'm dying to know what my lab results are. I want to see what my fucking liver's at. Because I need to see, you know, if, if I need to chill on alcohol, if I've been fucking around taking too much Tylenol or, you know, how's my fucking blood pressure? How's my cholesterol? My blood pressure should be cool, but how's my cholesterol? How's all this shit? It's giving me heavy anxiety. And uh, Dr. Abe, please let me know if I'm all good. Um, <laughs> in total random news, Florida, of all places, random news. In fact, you know, it's so funny. Well, Another thing I almost said I shouldn't have said. Thank God I shut my fucking mouth. Anyways, in random news, this Vietnamese drug dealer in Gainesville, Florida, got caught with $200,000 worth of cash. Of course, they're fucking 10s and 20s and shit, whatever. And he had a bunch of narcotics, pills, LSD. He had weed, which in Florida, it's not fucking, obviously not um, recreational. He had a gang of weed. He had a gang of cannabis vape pens and shit. And the feds took a picture of this dude, a mugshot. They did like this fucking vanity shot of all the narcotics and the cash all laid out dead center. And right in the dead center of the picture is a Ben Baller gold money counter. <laughs> do fucking ma. Do, you know what? In fact, speaking of do ma, Tony. Tony Nguyen. Of course, your last name is fucking Nguyen. Tony Nguyen, you Vietnamese fuck. If I do not get my Ben Baller did the chain. If I don't get my Ben Baller hand sanitizers this weekend, you fuck, I'm going to put your fucking head in some of that Vietnamese French bread and make a fucking Tony Bon Me sandwich. Where the fuck is my sanitizer, Tony? I know you listen to the podcast. I need my shit. Um, but yeah, you know, people are saying they're tagging me on these fucking pictures. Hey, man, this guy got the fucking Ben Baller money counter. And I fucking put uh, SMH as a comment. And people are like, Yo, man, you know that's fucking totally your demographic of people. Man, shut the fuck up, bro. Shut the fuck out of here. Why has it got to be an Asian tattoo drug dealer with my money counter? By, by the way, speaking of money counters, I'm thinking about doing a very limited release of a platinum, you know, so it looked like a chrome, a platinum, Ben Ball did the chain money counter for Christmas, thinking about it, we'll see, because China's all fucked up right now, but I am giving you good news and bad news, the bad news is for you reseller fucks, but I am re-releasing my gold vacuum sealer, and I'm, I'm sorry, fuck you, sorry resellers, 
It's good news because so many people have been driving me fucking crazy about my vacuum sealers, okay? And I got four more releases with Network coming out this year. But listen, to your resellers, it'll be okay, okay? Shit is still going to sell out, okay? But this time, I bet you whether I put out 500, I'm going to put out 1,000 vacuum sealers, okay? It's going to sell out in less than one minute. $200, one minute, guarantee sells the fuck out last time it was what two minutes and then we did the raffle shit and that was a mess i'm not doing no more fucking raffles okay but after it does sell out it's going to resell for good money i want to put the shit in people's hands i want people to have you know i know the baseball card shit is doing well i didn't promote it to fucking go to this high i just want the economy to move good all right now as for uh entertainment um, my personal entertainment, you know, I didn't have Wi-Fi for three weeks. It's been great. Now that I have Wi-Fi, there ain't shit to watch. Again, you cocksuckers, I asked you guys to send me jackass of the weeks, and like two people fucking sent me. I asked you for fucking, you know, hey, do you want some cards? I have fucking 2,000 emails, okay? I asked you guys for movie suggestions or new shows and here and there, whatever, and guess what? Nobody says shit, so fuck you guys. But uh, I'm just joking. Look, at, I know you guys are supportive. My, my podcast listeners are the most loyal. I'm giving you guys shit. Anyways, as for shows and movies right now, but to be honest, for real, shit has been drier than Karen's coochie, okay? But Filthy Rich came out yesterday on Netflix, all right? Filthy Rich is the Jeffrey Epstein documentary that I have legit been waiting for months for this shit to come out. Started listening to fucking uh, Jeffrey Epstein's fucking um, the podcast on, I don't know if it was Wondery or where the fuck it was, but I got obsessed with this motherfucker, Jeffrey Epstein. I knew he was a scumbag and heard his name here and there, but, you know, after I heard the podcast, I was like, oh shit, his scumbag lifestyle was next level. This guy took it to the nextest of the next, next, nextness levels of dirt baggery. I'm in the middle of episode two, and man, this shit is good. It's just getting started. Like, fuck. I've actually never been to Palm Beach before. I didn't know Palm Beach was that ballin', you know? And to be honest with you, I personally would rather take a city skyline than an ocean view, but there's something about that motherfucking Florida water. But look, back to the show. Back to Filthy Rich. When you get rich as fuck like disgusting rich, like this guy had a fucking sick, sick crib in Paris, ridiculous crib in Palm Beach, stupid, ignorant, disgustingly beautiful, fucking insane spot in the upper fucking east side of New York City, okay, when you get rich, you always have to have a great fucking attorney, okay, and you have to have attorneys in every fucking thing. Contract, lawyers, you know, fucking this, fucking criminal, every fucking possible thing. And he had them all. And I'm just like blown away. Hearing this fucking attorney, I forgot his name, he's fucking super famous, but he's talking to his, look, when you're a good attorney, you don't care what the outside world thinks. You don't care what them, you don't care what anyone thinks. All that you care about is winning the case and getting your client off. And it's crazy. This dude was really breaking it down. He hired all the fucking biggest people hired him. You know, even if motherfuckers were guilty, somehow, you know, you get a good fucking attorney to get you off and it's fucking crazy. 
I'm telling you, man, that legal shit is how white people, how fucking rich people fuck each other. Okay. It's so fucked up. When you get into a lawsuit, just know this. The only person who always wins are the attorneys. Because you don't want to know why? Because they get paid regardless. Okay. It's rare that you get a good ass fucking attorney doing pro bono shit. But anyways, all this Florida talk really makes me want to hop on a fucking plane today and head to Miami Beach. I've been thinking about this. I know I've talked about it for like fucking five episodes now. Uh, shout out to my boy Chino. Shout out to my girl Yenny. I just need to get that legit Cuban food, some Jamaican food. I need some vibes. I need to look at the fucking blue water, not this dirty ass Santa Monica Pacific Ocean water. I just want to just relax and chill and be in some fucking short shorts and get my European swag on. You know what I'm saying? I really need to get to South Beach ASAP. But um, yo, guess what, folks? That's it. That's it for the show. We're done now. You know that word? I'm just fucking with you guys, man. <laughs> people are probably like, especially people in the hobby right now, they're like, why the fuck did I subscribe to this guy's show? He needs to, he said he was going to give away a Mike Trout. What the fuck? Um, so, guys, check it out. Miles, can you give me a drum roll, please? So the 20... $500 question of the day. $2,500 USD question of the day is what was the name of the Karen who was named Jackass of the Week in episode 84? Okay. I need exact spelling of that Karen's name and whoever answers that correctly and sends the answer to the email address benballerpod at gmail.com first. Remember, we got timestamps on emails, okay? Whoever sends that first will win the zero slash zero gold signed Ben Baller trout card. Actually, that shit's probably worth more than 2500 Fuck that. It's probably worth fucking 3000 because the ten of the one of 10 is some whole other shit. So this is worth fucking over $3,500, okay? So go now. But wait. Hold on, wait, because <laughs> the show isn't done. Wait up. Yeah, my Cal Ripken will be coming out in less than two weeks. Um, I'm not going to do a super crazy design on purpose. I'm going to kind of keep it like the Ichiro maybe, throw a little swag in there, right? You know, it's kind of a tough card to design. But to be honest, I'm hoping for a low print run on Cal. You know, we'll see. But on this Derek, the captain, a.k.a. Mr. November, Oh, boy. Yo, dead ass fam, this Derek Jeter card is going to change the fucking game forever, okay? And the captain himself is involved, all right? I can't say much more, but I'm telling you right now, they're already predicting this motherfucker to do 200 bands, all right? I don't know. I'm happy if we break, you know, 125, 150, but I think we're going to go stupid numbers, Okay? But wait, there's more. <laughs> you fucks. All you hobby motherfuckers out there. Check it out, man. Blake Jameson is dropping a Mike Trout card next week. And guess what? I helped him out with the card. You already know. I sprinkled some bling bling on that bitch. This will be the first collab of Project 2020. Meaning this is the first time two artists out of the Project 2020 
are working together and I'm not going to say shit else. That will be up to Blake. That'll be up to the guessing game, whatever. But I think he's going to break the Keith Shore record, um, I think. But, yo, it's all love and I love you all. Thank you all for listening to the greatest podcast in the world. We are fucking out of here. Yo, Lakey Lake, please take us home, homie.